1 Timothy chapter 4 is found on page 992 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Page 992. We'll be looking at the various, as we've gone through the series, we'll be again looking through the various passages of Scripture. I'll, I'll have you turn to those and we'll be reading them as we go. But page 992, 1 Timothy 4 is where we will begin. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we open up your word, we pray this morning that you would use it in a way that would honor you and glorify you. That we would have a greater love for Jesus Christ because of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In any organization, there are certainly activities, there are certain activities that are done within the group as they gather together. For me, when I coached Johnny's little baseball team this past year, and we would have practice, the first thing the kids would say to me was this, Coach, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do? Just constant, over and over. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They want to know what we were going to do. And so, knowing this, going into it, you seek to establish a plan, right, on what to do and then why you do it. Okay? And so, that's, this is what would happen. The same would be true for, for teachers, right? If, if those of you who teach in any, in any way, you have to be prepared and have the structure to your class. They have a plan. Teachers have a plan that they go into that they will do and what they will do with their students, right? Whether it's public school teachers, whether it's homeschool teachers, whether it's private school teachers, whether it's Sunday school teachers, you have a plan on what you are going to do and then why you do it. There are certain, there are certain activities that are essential, right? So whether it's practice or whether it's teaching or Whatever, the, whatever it might be, there are certain activities that are essential for the overall health, for the overall growth of the student or the athlete or the employee that the group does when they're gathered together. Okay, in a similar way, when, when, when you consider our worship service here on Sunday mornings, right, we consider what we do here on Sunday mornings, there, there are certain activities, there are certain things that we do that are essential for our overall growth in Christ. Okay, there is a purpose and plan for what we do here on Sunday morning. And this morning, I want us to consider some of these essential activities of the church. So I want to address, what do we do when we gather corporately as a body? That's what we're focusing on here this morning. And we've seen in the past, as we've worked through this series on the church, when we consider the purpose of the church, we recognize that we are called to worship God. Okay, that's why we come together, right? To, to worship God. So we meet regularly together as an expression of our life of worship, right? All of life is to be a life of worship. And so when we gather together, we are expressing a life of worship as we share in praising God for who He is and what He has done for us in Christ. And so as we worship together, I want to answer this question. What should we do when we gather for corporate worship, right? It's called a worship service. What should we do? There are four truths I want to unpack this morning. You see these in your outline. They're not new with me. These four things are not new with me. 
But when you survey the New Testament, some of the specific elements that the church did, it becomes obvious and clear. And these activities have become a pattern for, for many biblical churches today. So first, let's look at these one at a time. First, read the Word. Read the Word. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy to give him instructions for, for how to shepherd the church in Ephesus, he said this to, to go ahead and look now. He said this in 1 Timothy 4.13. So verse 13, until I come, devote yourself, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. First, Paul commands Timothy that when the church is gathered together, that the Word of God is publicly read to the congregation. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. In many instances in the church, they, they would read the various parts of Scripture, whether it was Psalms, whether it was from the law. They'd read various parts of God's Word. So Paul would even, even encourage his own churches, the churches that he has established. He would encourage his own letters to be read in these churches. Colossians 4.16 And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So they are to read God's Word. So one activity that should be done in the life of the church is to have God's Word publicly read. Why? Why? First, Paul explicitly commands it, doesn't he? Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. He commands it. We, re- we recognize this. So that's one reason why. That should be enough, Right? Number two, but also we recognize that in reading God's Word, God speaks to us through it, right? God speaks to us through His Word. It is through the Word of God that we receive spiritual life, and it is through God's Word that we grow in Christ. Listen to these verses. 1 Peter 1, 23, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. So our new birth is through the living and abiding Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So in hearing God's Word publicly read, we are sitting under God's authority and what He would have for us. And in this way, when we hear God's word, right, without comment, right, publicly reading of Scripture, there's no comment. When Matthew read Psalm 148, no comment. We are sitting under God's word as the authority in our lives and what he would have for us. And in this way, when we hear God's word, our faith is strengthened. Our faith in Christ is strengthened. So practically, as a church, what, what do we do? We make sure that we have certain times during our service in which the Bible is read. Right? We had that this morning. At the beginning, we give an opening call to worship. Right? So sometimes I start with an opening call, a few verses of Scripture to prepare our hearts to sing praises to God. And then also, aside from the Scripture passage that, we pr- that I preach, we devote time to reading longer portions of Scripture. Right? To hear God speak to us. So I would encourage, the, encourage you that as you hear God's word, ask the Lord to speak to you through it, right? 
and strengthen your faith by it. Just a simple reading of Scripture. And let's not view that, let's not view the public reading of Scripture as a mere filler or without purpose. Right? It's not there to just take up space. It has a purpose. To strengthen our faith. Second, my second point is this. Preach the Word. Right? So we, so we read the Word and then we preach the Word. The second element of corporate worship that is essential for the life, health, and growth of the local church is the preaching and teaching of God's Word. It is primarily through the preaching of God's Word that the church is built up and grows. It is primarily through the preaching of God's Word that the church is encouraged, strengthened, challenged to live for the Lord, comforted. At the same time, it is through the preaching of God's Word, it is the means through which the church is protected from false teaching. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, so look back at 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, so number one, that's what they do, to exhortation, to teaching. So not only is God's Word read, but in order to shepherd and care for the church, it must also be taught and explained. Timothy was to devote to teaching and preaching in light of all the false teachers who were seeking to pull them away from the Lord. Right? There are false teachers, false prophets in their midst teaching something contrary to God's Word. And so he calls them to preach and teach the Word of God. And as he preached, he would encourage and explain God's Word to his people. In 2 Timothy 4, Verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his, and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So preaching the Word may involve receiving correction, encouragement, or instruction on what the Scriptures say so that we might live for Christ. And in, in the early church, as the, as the church gathered in Acts 2, the pattern of their time, we, we've looked at this in the past, the pattern of their time together was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's what they did. This was the pattern of their life together as the church. So, in application, right? What do, we, what do we preach? What do we preach? This means that we preach God's Word. It's not my word or my opinion or my preferences or, or what people necessarily want to hear. It means that we preach God's Word. We preach Christ. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim. Christ we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Him we proclaim. Christ is who we proclaim. Not me. Not me. 
And the Apostle Paul declared the whole counsel of God as it pointed to Jesus. So this means that as God's people, you should come here with an expectation to hear God's word. You should come with an expectation to be taught the Bible, have the Bible explained, so that you might be able to apply it to your life. So practically, right, my primary, my primary goal, or the primary goal of the preacher, is to present and explain God's word to you as it points to Jesus, and to encourage you and to challenge you to live your life in accordance with it. Practically, right? we preach God's word, we preach the whole counsel of God as it points to Jesus. This also means that the pattern in preaching, right? the pattern in my preaching, is to go through books of the Bible, right? to expose you to all of God's word. That is the pattern that we have done here at Pleasant Ridge. At the same time, there are instances, right, in which we teach various topics to explain what the Scripture says regarding this topic or that doctrine. And that's what we're doing in this series, right? As we, we've looked at what does the Bible say about the church, about the church, who it is, what they do, why we do it. All right, so, so as a church, I just want to encourage you with this. As a church... Allow the sermons and the preaching of God's word to encourage you, to challenge you, and to strengthen your faith in Christ. Seek for ways to apply what you hear. I, I, I don't know everyone's situation in life, but seek for ways as the Spirit would lead to apply what we say, what I say, to your own life. And might they cause us all to have a greater love for Christ and for one another. And as a church... This is also where you can join me, right, in praying that we would continue to place a priority upon the preaching of God's Word. Preaching, the preaching of God's Word has fallen on hard times in churches today. Right? So pray. Pray that we would preach God's Word. Pray that we would place this as a priority in the life of the church. Third, third point is this, pray the word. Right? Pray the word. In, in Acts 2, Luke describes some of the activities that occurred in the, in, in the early church, which became this pattern for the, for the new community. Acts 2.42, he says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? we've looked at that, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The prayers. They devoted themselves to the prayers. So the church was, is devoted in this way. They would set times, they'd have set times in their time together to pray. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul gave instructions to Timothy regarding prayer in their local gathering. At the beginning of a chapter that involved their corporate worship and organization, Paul exhorts Timothy to pray. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So in the local gathering, they had public times of prayer. 
at a time of public prayer, corporate prayer together. This would have included petitions or supplications where they ask God to help those for whom they, for whom they pray, right? We, we've done that this morning. It would have included prayers of intercession in which they plead for God to have mercy on us. They've also had prayers of thanksgiving. Thanking God for what he had done for them in Christ and thanking God for one another. And they prayed for all kinds of people, whether it was unbelievers in high positions, right? We, we pray for our presidents. We pray for those who are in high positions around us in the world that we live in. Whether they're unbelievers in positions of authority. Or we, and we also pray for believers, right? Paul, Paul would tell the, the church in Ephesus, at all times in the, pray, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Right? So we pray for one another as we gather. And, and he says, pray also for me that words may be given in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So what we have sought to do in our worship service then is to be saturated with prayer. Right, to be saturated with prayer and to pray God's word. Right, so that what we pray is not only the content of God's word, right, we pray the scriptures, but also the, the elements that, are, that the Bible encourages us to pray. Right, so, so we see this modeled in, in the Lord's Prayer. Right, we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray God's word when we gather and we have an extended time then during our service where we have this longer pastoral prayer. Right? So you have maybe wondered, why do we do that? Why do we have a long prayer? My children, you know, I've, I've told you guys this, right? They say, wow, that prayer is long, Dad. <laughs> why? We value prayer. We value prayer. So we praise God for who He is. We confess our sins to God. Right? We thank God for what He has done for us in sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Right? This is the pattern that I follow. We thank God for the work that He is doing in our own lives, in our midst, and in our missionaries. And we petition. We petition. We make our requests known to God. We ask God to help those among us who are dealing with the various difficulties of life. Whether it's emotional strength that they need. Whether it's physical strength that they need. This allows us. Why do we do this? This allows us as a church to enter into God's presence together in our prayer. It also enables us to be able to share our lives with one another. Right? So even as I pray specific things, it allows us to share in the lives of one another, to know what's going on with, to, with one another, so we can be praying for them even outside of these walls. Right? Now, fourth, fourth and finally. So we read the Word, we preach the Word, we pray the Word, and we sing the word. 
We sing the word. One of the last basic elements that was essential for the spiritual health and growth of the church was singing. And specifically, singing God's word. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 18. The last part of verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. Paul says this. The last part of it. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. As he, as he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he is encouraging them to be filled with the Spirit, to be led, directed, and under the control and influence of the Spirit. And one of the ways that they would do this as a church was to sing God's Word. So what we see here is this vertical dimension, right? We sing to the Lord and a horizontal dimension to our singing. So first, through our singing, you see this here in our text, we address one another. Address one another. This would imply that what we do while we worship, while we sing songs, is, it's for the benefit of one another. We address one another through songs. Or as Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you all. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you all in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In other words, through the songs that we sing, through the songs that we sing, as we address one another, we are teaching and admonishing one another. In a real, practical way, there is value in hearing one another sing. There is value in recognizing that as we sing, we aren't the only ones in the room. It's, and you hear me say this all the time, it's not me and Jesus. In our Sunday school class, we were looking at Psalm 95 this morning. Let us, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us, let us, let us. Corporately, we sing songs of praise to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? It's not me and Jesus. It's not, I have an audience of one. But through songs... We are actually encouraging and building up the body of Christ. You see? So I want to encourage you to sing out, right? Sing out. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. To join in addressing one another through songs. I love to hear you sing. 
I love to hear you sing. The worship team, I'm convinced of this, the worship team loves to hear you sing. Right? <laughs> yes. It builds us up. It builds them up. It builds me up. It builds us all up as we hear God's people joining together in this way. So it's horizontal, but it's also vertical. Right? It's also vertical. We are making melody to the Lord with your heart. We are singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. So as we sing, might we focus on singing to the Lord? Yes. Might we make a joyful noise to the Lord? Might we sing with gladness in our hearts of what God has done for us in Christ? When we consider who God is and what he has done, should we not burst out in song? What are we to sing? In the early church, they sang psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This means that they sang a variety of kinds of songs to the Lord. Right? And that's what we do in our church. We sing old hymns. We sing new hymns. We sing choruses. We sing songs that cover a wide range of emotion. Right? I don't know if you experienced that this morning. I did. A wide range of emotion even already in the songs. Very much like the psalms themselves. Whether it's an emphasis in joy in the Lord or simply praising God for who He is, or songs of thanksgiving, or songs of contemplation. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on us now. Or songs of commitment and response. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful. This is our pattern here at our church. So might you be strengthened to respond with singing, as you teach and encourage one another through these songs. May you be encouraged to consider that what we do here on Sunday morning is intended to draw us into a shared adoration for Christ and to build one another up. Might you also be encouraged that as we focus on the essential activities that emphasize God's word, that he is using them in your life to strengthen your faith in Christ and your love for one another. So might we not neglect meeting together? Might we see value in our time together? Because the things that we do are essential for our spiritual health and growth in Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning that we can, we can gather together. We have freedom to gather together as, as the body of Christ. We have freedom to gather together to read your word, to preach your word, to pray your word, to sing your word, and even as we addressed last week, to see your word, as we saw last week in the, in the Lord's Supper and we see it in baptism as well. We thank you that we can come together and do these things and know that it is strengthening our faith in Christ 
and our love for him and for others. So would you continue to use this in our lives for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.